and now living through 2020 as a trustee, uh, even though the challenges are there, when I look back, I say, you know, we, we made it through 68 and I'm very confident we'll make it through 2020. Uh, and our future, I think, is great. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. Welcome back to part two of our conversation with Dave Mathis, the current ACCT board chair, and David Connor, ACCT's director of strategic communications. We closed part one with discussion of how important community colleges are to supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion in higher education. In this episode, we pick back up with community college level specifics related to that conversation. This interview was recorded via Zoom, so please excuse any dips or breaks in audio quality. So with that in mind, um, that actually brings me to my next question. So we've talked about the what and the how, um, or the what and the why, but we haven't really gotten a whole lot into the how. So just you know, off the, the top of your mind, what, what do you think are some ways, what is the specific role that trustees can play in advocating um, both in their states and their local communities for that matter, but also nationally through ACCT and in conjunction with ACCT to improve um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And um, I'm gonna throw in one other thing because it's just so vital right now uh, is you know a, a greater appreciation and meaning an understanding for all of the different um, types of people that our colleges serve and how and how important they are to really salvaging a lot of lives. Well, uh, at my institution a few years ago, uh, we're part of the State University of New York and our uh, chancellor at the time uh, wanted all of the community colleges, all 30 of us and the 34 state operated universities and colleges in the state to have a chief diversity officer. And many uh, of the community colleges uh, basically were not comfortable with that. They didn't feel they had the revenue. They didn't feel that there was enough work to do. And uh, many of the presidents and boards, uh, you know, basically lobbied that that not happen. And I felt at the time at my college that we should have one. And, you know, the board and the president was not supportive. Uh, because of what happened in the past uh, six, seven months, uh, the president sat down with some of our staff of color and he got a earful with their concerns. And now he is more in favor of, and he sees the need for a, a, a chief diversity officer. So we have and have come up with the, 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 the funding to in January uh, bring on a chief diversity officer. To me, that's the kind of change that, you know, even though uh, we didn't take action initially, we have taken action. And I think in many cases, the president and the board uh, can reach these different levels of understanding, but it comes through education. You know, it comes through the work of AACC, ACCT, AGB, uh, and the willingness on the part of both the presidents and the trustees 
to change. I mean, train every back in the '60s and '70s, uh, everybody talked about change. You know, that was the buzzword. And you know, you could find a, a new a book came out every day on change. And every single conference and workshop that I went to, there was a session on change. The problem was that once I got back to my office. I couldn't implement those things because I got stuck in the what I call the day to day. And I think that's why so many of our efforts kind of get bogged down because we return back to the same environment. Uh, we may come back charged up, but it's difficult to keep that energy level when you're dealing like now we are dealing with the, you know, nobody anticipated COVID-19. So we're learning how to do things differently. Uh, but to say that we would have been able to embrace the Zoom technology uh, without a COVID-19, yeah, we probably, some of us would have been able to do it, but we wouldn't have liked it. But now we're finding out that it opens up different types of doors for us. And that's where, you know, this transition that we're going through in terms of, of what I say race in this country is, is so important because I don't think we're going to put the genie back in the bottle. I mean, it's out there. And we're seeing some discrepancies. I, you know, you can look at the demographics uh, in terms of uh, how people who are white versus people of color are dealing with the coronavirus or uh, about job laws and about evictions. I mean, almost everything has, you know, when we look at it, has a racial overture. And that's kind of like why we need to understand these issues. And I think, you know, college boards uh, need to maybe have a better understanding of the kinds of issues that our students are dealing with. I mean, it's very clear uh, that many of our students are having serious issues uh, with uh, food, with housing, uh, with the ability to pay, you know, one of the things that I am adamantly against, and I, you know, talk about it at my board meetings, is student debt, you know, which is absolutely devastating, you know, uh, and it affects students of color uh, in a, a lot more discriminatory way than it does uh, the general population. So uh, I don't necessarily always want to say that you know, when you look at diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's always going to be race. But in many cases, the outlying issues that affect uh, students who come from those demographics are very clear. And I think this this virus is bringing out uh, a lot of, of what I would say opportunities uh, for us to have some serious discussion uh, around these issues. Yeah, you. Yeah. I just have to point out a couple of um, ahas that I had from what you said. One of these things, now I, earlier I mentioned, um, I so I spent the past year working, um, collaborating with writers and editors on the new edition of our overall trusteeship handbook. Um, and, you know, one of, one of those things that I mentioned earlier that sometimes things seem 
sound very simple when you read them or hear them, but then become really complex um, or translate differently into reality. One thing I've always read in how to be an effective trustee is be visionary. Well, I've always thought, how do you tell somebody be visionary? You, you, maybe you are, maybe you're not. Um, are there any practical tips or whatever? But actually something that you just said for the very first time ever made me realize that by design, board members have an opportunity to play a more visionary role in college operations because you aren't in the, you're the only people at the college probably who are not really mired in the day-to-day -day work. You get to, to check in and you get to propose those really big lofty ideas and kind of nudge the college toward it. And as you said, with this type of issue, Sometimes you might have to nudge <laughs> over years and years and years, and then suddenly all of that nudging comes to fruition. And at least there's some kind of familiarity with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm, I'm one that really likes to look back sometimes before you can look forward. And one of the things I came to realize is that it took a lot of, of foresight on the part of the, those individuals who came and started these colleges. I mean, you know, to be able to, to work with the state, to work with the county, to work with community leaders, to have the vision of what they wanted, and then to be able to make it happen is incredible. You know, uh, you got, you know, some community colleges, you know, where you got 20, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 students. They, they rival some, some universities. And, but it started with, with, with an individual saying, yeah, we want one of those here. And that's one of the things that, you know, happened back in the, you know, 50s, 60s, when the growth of community colleges was, was so clear, you know, that individuals put it on their shoulders and they ran with it. Mm -hmm. And I think we have that opportunity now to, to take our vision of community colleges and take it to the next level. I, I don't think our society understands in many cases, the value of these institutions in their community. I think they're still too often, they see us as the transfer school, the junior college, uh, the vocational school, and we are all of that. But in many cases, we're so much more. And I would vision that because of this virus, uh, we're gonna have opportunities to, to do things in our community that have not been done in terms of our leadership, you know, because if there's any sector of higher ed that can get it done and get it done quickly, it's community colleges. Uh, but it takes an understanding, a partnership with, you know, the president and with the board uh, to get out front and to, to be willing uh, to challenge each other. You know, I'm not one that thinks that, you know, you want to get into uh, a constant disagreements, but you do want to put on the table some fairly controversial issues sometimes. Uh, you know, our campus, you know, took us, you know, a lot longer than I like, but we finally came to a understanding that we banned smoking. Uh, but it took probably three or four times longer to get there. You know, we're a campus where our security uh, staff, they're armed but it took a lot of discussion to get there. Those were not easy discussions. 
and the discussion around race and about equity and inclusion, uh, no, they're not easy. Uh, but you're never going to get there unless somebody starts talking about it. And I guess that's what I see uh, my role at ACCT in terms of being chair and hopefully getting uh, state associations and local boards uh, to try to move that. And, you know, not to say here, here's what you have to do, but to open the door for those kinds of discussions. And, uh, and it's happening all over the country. And I'm really pleased that ACCT is a part of it. Yeah, we're, you know, we're all learning together. I think one thing, um, the other thing that you said earlier, I just don't want to forget this, but, uh, you know, the idea that these issues are embedded in everything, they're just enmeshed in everything. And as we've been developing materials and trying to find a way to, um, you know, a lot of our members ask for pretty practical information, like, could you distill the to-dos for us? And with this, we've done that, as you said, with the diversity, equity, and inclusion implementation guide and with an earlier um, equity action agenda. Um, however, one thing that we've learned we have to really do is revisit existing materials and reread it, you know, with a filter, um, looking at where, where these issues are embedded that it may not be disclosed or even consciously thought of. Um, and so I think that's, that's part of our work going forward as we're continuing to develop content and revise content. Um, so to, to kind of round out this conversation because of the timing especially, um, we're leading up to a new year, which brings new opportunities, <laughs> hopefully more opportunities than challenges this time. Um, so we've been through a lot and I wonder, um, what good do you think might come out of this past year? What changes that wouldn't have happened otherwise do you think we're going to Well, get? I think number one, obviously, we're having these types of discussions around uh, race, equity, and inclusion. I think, you know, obviously, there's a new administration coming in. I think there will be a lot more, what I would say, friendly uh, to higher education, and in particular, hopefully, to community colleges. You know, I think the uh, looking at the COVID and the, the changes that it's brought to our campuses and our boardrooms and our, our administrative offices, I think we're going to have to evaluate that. Obviously, we're doing a lot more with online learning. Uh, you know, there's some good, obviously, in that. There's probably some bad in it. But what does it really mean for us in terms of the next uh, 10 20, 30 years, uh, where the kinds of opportunities that are there, uh, will we just go back, and I would say some would probably say we should, just go back to the way we were uh, in 2019. So I don't see us doing that. I, I, I see us, and especially in community colleges, uh, running headlong into the challengers. And I would say, as we look at the upcoming years, uh, our boards are going to change because the demographics in our states are changing. And that means that there will be different kinds of, of, of uh, governors and county officials uh, who will be uh, coming in and they'll be looking to bring in, I would assume, a more diverse board 
member to serve on their boards. You know, I'm fortunate. I've been appointed by six different county executives. That's how you get to be on the board for 43 years is having the uh, ability to have contact with those individuals. So it's going to be changing. And, you know, and I, I definitely see us uh, next year. Uh, hopefully uh, we can do more with Zoom. Uh, we can maybe take a look at, I know uh, it doesn't get discussed a lot at the national level, but I learned a lot about ACCT going back from the regional meetings back when I, uh, you know, I was on the board initially in the, in, in the 90s. Uh, you know, we had regional meetings. And so you got to have a little bit more intimate understanding of how boards and, you know, I'm in the Northeast. So I got to talk to trustees in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, uh, Massachusetts. So you got to see, you know, how we, how they worked and how we worked and what the differences were and what might be similar. But the point is it allowed us to get to know each other. And to me, uh, that's how you start breaking down barriers, as I said earlier. And maybe some of those opportunities might come back. This format, you know, even though it may not be as good as an in-person regional meeting, but it does allow us to, to maybe have a little bit more uh, uh, understanding of each other. And, you know, one of my uh, goals is to try to get the, our regional uh, board members uh, to maybe talk a little bit more within their regions uh, because you know we are uh, an organization that's broken down into five regions so and and the regions are different and that may help us I think to improve uh, one of our you know goals is is developing boardmanship so I, I think this format gives us that but you know the the year ahead will be challenging obviously as you've said you know, our need to find a new leader. I, I think that that will be paramount for us uh, over the, the, the months ahead. And hopefully uh, at the end of uh, my chairmanship, uh, we'll have a, a, a new president and some new opportunities and some new challenges. But, you know, it's not going to be easy. I mean, I think the days were... Uh, being on a community college board was uh, showing up, rubber stamping, and going home and spending an hour at a meeting. Uh, those days are gone. Yes. <laughs> I think that that is definitely safe to say. Um, so I had a last question for you, and you actually sort of went there anyway. Um, and I am I'm going to ask you, um, maybe in case there's something that you didn't have a chance to get to, um, 12 months from now, so we're at the same point of next year and you're, you've wrapped up your service as chair. What, you know, is there anything in particular, like one or two things that will have been accomplished by that time that would just really satisfy you and make you feel like this organization has made a, a difference in a way it hadn't before? Well, you know, in many ways for me, uh, we're already there. You know, as I said, you know, the uh, ability to have more a more diverse board at, at the national level, uh, the ability uh, to meet the challenges, you know, uh, obviously uh, many of our colleges are having, you know, enrollment issues and financial issues uh, in terms of funding. Uh, our membership may be changing. 
I mean, so we have to look at our dues structure. We have to take a look at, you know, who's in, who's not in, how do we get them back in, you know, how do we better position ourselves in terms of, of, of dealing with, you know, our sister organization like ACC, you know, so there are a lot of challenges like that. But in the end, to me, what is how I measure success is that it's survival. We'll be here. And we may not be the same, but we will not be out of business. And I would say we're going to be stronger uh, because when we got started in 1972, nobody would have, I don't think any of the founding trustees would have imagined what kind of association we would be today. And I don't know exactly what we're going to be in the next 10 years or 15 or 20, but I do know we will be there because the foundation that they started at 72 is strong and it's, and it's vital to the success of this country in terms of training individuals in workforce development, uh, opening the door in DEI, uh, working with reentry programs and students with disabilities and K-12. I mean, community colleges, sorry to say, we've had to do it all and I wish we didn't, but I, I don't see us not having to keep that mission in place. This has been part two of a two-part conversation with ACCT board chair, Dave Mathis. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.